Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, I can feel the tension already in the air. Everyone's excited about the big game today, University of Miami versus Kansas. Uh, if you don't know, I'm a University of Miami alum, and so once, once again, I can just feel the tension in the air. Thank you for all putting them uh, in the final four in your bracket, already thinking ahead. Uh, so I really appreciate it. Uh, so make sure, I just wanna let you know, I'll get you out in plenty of time, all right, to prepare and pray for the big game and all that stuff in a little bit. Uh, well, hey, I wanna begin this morning by uh, giving you a quiz and uh, well, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to uh, give you a scenario, and then if you have done this, okay, whether it be once or many times, okay, if you've done this, and then I, I, I want you to raise your hand. And, uh, and so, listen, I, I want you to be honest if you've done it okay, uh, because your participation is really important. In other words, don't leave a brother hanging up here, all right, as we kind of go through these things. All right, here's scenario number one. How many of you have been, ever had a time where you were home by yourself and you're watching TV and then someone either pulls into the garage or pulls into the driveway and maybe it's a, it's a friend or a spouse, significant other, whoever that may be, and you quickly turn off the TV and you pretend like you're doing something productive. How many of you have done that before? How many? Yeah, that's right, I have, I've done that. Okay, thanks for being honest, thanks for being honest. The other crowds weren't honest, all right? But you guys are honest, I appreciate that. Uh, here, here's another one. How many of you have been in a conversation with someone and then they bring up either a TV show or a, a person or event or a book of some kind. It's something that you should have known about but you don't know about it, but you pretend that you know about it. How many of you have done that? How many have done that? Yeah, that's right, I have, I've done that, I've done that. Uh, how many of you have had this situation where you've been out and uh, you're out either at a restaurant or a store or, or somewhere else and uh, you're out and then someone comes up to you and uh, they, they know who you are, but you don't know who they are, but you pretend you know who they are. How many of you have done that? Yeah, that's right, that's right. I've done that, be a little confession time here. Uh, I, I, I get that a lot and I'll be out and they'll say, hey, you know, so-and-so, good to see you again. Oh yeah, good to see you too. I don't have any, and Don will be like, who is that? I don't know, I don't know who that is. Uh, that happens all the time. And so just a little confession for you. Okay, last one, last one. How many of you have been driving and uh, there, there's someone in the car next to you and, and they're looking at you trying to, get, trying to get your attention because you know, they wanna pull ahead of you and they wanna get over, but uh, you don't really want them to get over. And so here's what you do. You pretend that you don't see them looking at you uh, because you know the choice is, is you can look like a jerk or you can look like a nice clueless person. How many of you have done that? How many of you have done that? I've done a really, I've done a lot of low things in my life. I have never done that one. I'm ashamed of every single one of you for doing that. No, trying to be something, uh, trying, to see, trying to show people that we're really better than, than what we really are, I mean, that is really common for all of us. And you know what's common in church? I think it's a common especially in church. I mean, there's just something in all of us where we wanna look better, we wanna look more successful, we wanna look more generous, we wanna look more all together, we wanna look more spiritual than what we really are. And if that's you, if that's something that you struggle with, and, and here's the thing, I, I think every single one of us struggles with this, whether you consider yourself a Christian or not, today's beatitude addresses that very tension. 
Now, over the last five weeks, we've been in the series called Here and Now, uh, where we've been looking at these eight statements that kick off Jesus' longest message. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And these, actually, these statements have a name to it. Here's the name. They're called the Beatitudes. And as we read these Beatitudes, here, here's what these Beatitudes are. These Beatitudes are actually values of what life and what Jesus calls the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven looks like. And throughout this series, we've been, we've been uh, defining what the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is, and, and here's what it is. It's when, when God wants happen, when, when God wants to happen, actually happens. Or we also say it this way, we've been saying life is God intended it to be because now it's on his terms. And for many of us, when we hear, you know, kingdom of God, we think of heaven after we die, but when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he's talking about something not we have to wait for after we die, but something we can experience right here and right now, which leads me to today's beatitude. Here's the beatitude we're gonna look at today. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, why is it that Jesus is so concerned with what is inside of our heart? Why not say, blessed are those who do the right thing? Why the heart? Well, I think the reason is, is because Jesus is trying to expose something that most of us, we just ignore altogether. And, and that is, here's what we tend to think. We, th we tend to think, well, what's going on inside of me doesn't really matter all that much. I mean, think about some of the things we say. We'll say things like, well, if I don't act on it, then it's not that big of a deal. Doesn't matter what I watch. It doesn't matter what I listen to. You know, that doesn't affect me at all. But there is nothing that impacts your life more and the life of those around you than the condition of your heart. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at two questions when it comes to purity of heart. I, I want to look at the first question is, what is purity of heart? And then we're going to wrap it up by getting real practical and talk about, well, how do we cultivate a pure heart? What does that look like and how can we do that in our life? But let's, let's look at the first one uh, first. What is purity of heart? I think part of the reason we, we struggle with this whole idea of heart is because I think we don't, we don't really know what the heart is when we read that word heart. But here's what Jesus meant by the heart. He, he would define the heart this way. The heart is the center of the entire personality. Uh, I love what Ken Bailey uh, says about the heart in his book, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. He just, I think he captures this so well. Here, here's, what G, here's what Ken says. He says, here's what the heart is. Modern Western culture limits heart to the feelings. But the heart in the Hebrew mind, and he's talking about, you know, back in Jesus' day, in the Hebrew mind included the entire interior life of the person. The feelings, the mind, and the will were all a part of the heart. Now, when, when Jesus was talking about the heart, he was talking about our entire inner life. You know, he was talking about the will, and he was talking about the mind, and he was talking about our feelings. Now, when we hear about it, we tend to gravitate towards one of those just based on, you know, maybe our personality style or upbringing or things like that. But when Jesus talked about the heart, he was saying, no, 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 it is all of the above. So let me give you a visual of what this looks like and what, what Jesus was talking about when he talked about the heart. Now, the water in this glass represents our heart. And it's meant to be clear and it is meant to be clean. But because of sin, sin has dirtied our heart. And so this is the condition of our heart. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you would drink this dirty water? Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, if it's coffee, I would drink it. It's not coffee, okay? Just to kind of put that at ease, all right? 
All right, how many of you would, how many of you would drink this? How many of you would take a shower with water like this? You know, how many of you would water your plants with water like this? I would bet that for most of us, the answer is no. Yet for most of us, we're okay with this being the condition of our heart. But here's what we need to realize. And Jesus said this time and time again, what's inside of you eventually comes out of you. You know, I would bet that every single one of us had a story where we did something and we felt like it was so out of character for us. And we said, well, that's not like me. You know, where did that come from? Well, according to Jesus, it is very much like you. And let me tell you where that came from. Jesus would say, that came from your heart. And that was in you the entire time. It just finally got to the point where it came out of you, or we might say in this example, where it finally poured out of you. You see, Jesus said the heart is so important that the condition of your inner heart, the condition of your inner life, determines the condition of your outer life. Which is pretty fascinating because when Jesus said this, he was talking to a culture that was obsessed with ceremonial cleanness. That he was talking to a culture that was obsessed with looking good on the outside, but they didn't give a rip about what was going on on the inside. In fact, uh, there was this one time where Jesus, he just lit up the religious leaders. And he was like, hey, you're all concerned with what's going on on the outside, but on the inside, you are like dead man's bones. Now, I dare you the next time you're in an argument with someone, you just drop that on them, okay? You just say, you're like dead man's bones and see where that goes, okay? But what was he saying? He, he was saying this, this is what's inside of you and this is what's pouring out of you onto those around you and you don't even know it. You know, for many of us, this is what we're living with right now. And this is the condition of our heart, but we're trying to do all this stuff to cover it up, to, to make ourselves look like we're good on the outside. And so we just do things like, you know, I, I've got to have more, I've got to buy more, you know, I've got to look more. Uh, and our culture doesn't help us with this. Our, our culture constantly just tries to get us to ignore what's actually going on in, in our heart. Uh, what's, what's really common, really popular, you've probably heard this before. You've heard someone say, you just need to follow your heart. You just need to follow your heart, you need to follow your heart. You know, how many times have you heard someone uh, give, a well-meaning person give this advice? You know what, I think the best thing you can do right now is just follow your heart. Do what feels right. If you've been around high school students, or as Shelby said, the critical generation, if you've been around high school students, you know uh, that they get to a certain age, and if you've been a high school student, you know this as well, same thing, that they get to a certain age where they wrestle with the decision on when they should have sex. And I can't tell you how many, I've heard, how I, how many times I've heard well-meaning people, here's the advice they give them. You'll know when you're ready. Every time I hear that, I'm going, really? Listen, I was 14 and 15 once, and let me tell you something. If someone would have gave me that advice, here's what I said. My hormones are telling me I am more than ready. But the reality is, I'm not really ready. And all of us here have a story of regret because we chose to follow our heart, and it ended bad. And the reason why it ended bad is because this is the condition of your heart, and it, this is the condition of your heart. It will always lead you to a bad place. And so Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart. Happiest are those that this is their heart, which raises a, a big question. We talk about purity of heart. What does it mean to be pure? What does that mean? Well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. Purity, purity doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean a mistake-free life. It doesn't mean a sinless life. 
when, when you hear purity, I, I want you to think about this. I, I want you to think purity of, of motives or, or sincere, in sincerity. A genuineness is a way that you could look at it as well. Uh, I, uh, I was doing a reading a couple, couple weeks ago, and I was reading about all these apps that are designed to make us appear better than what we really are. Now, you, you know, you're probably on the cutting edge of stuff. You know, I, I didn't realize some of the stuff that was out there, and so I'm doing this reading. I was really fascinated by it. So I didn't realize that you could buy apps that would actually boost the number of likes and uh, boost the number of followers you have and would actually write comments on your posts that make you seem like the most amazing person in the world. I didn't realize that. I also didn't realize that you can buy an app that will text you fake messages or text you messages from a fake boyfriend or girlfriend that'll make it seem like you're in a great relationship. Now, I was pretty fascinated by this, okay? Not because I'm looking, all right? But I was pretty fascinated. <laughs> That, uh, that I, I, would, I could be sitting there talking to someone, you know, and it'd be like, oh, I got a message, you know. Who, oh, who's that from? Who's that from? Oh, that's from 414. I mean, that's from my girlfriend, Julie, you know. And uh, the, I didn't know you had a girlfriend. Oh, yeah, we're getting along great. I mean, just thought, man, that's just kind of fascinating to me that that can happen. And there's this app, and I, like I said, you guys probably already know this and stuff, uh, but there's this app where when you take selfies, that this app will actually make you look more muscular. It'll make you look more tan and, and your teeth really white and all that stuff. And I thought, <laughs> Where's that baby been all my life, you know? That is just kind of the coolest thing in the world. Just wait till you see some of the pictures I have after this weekend. I'm going to look a lot bigger than I do right now. But when you, think, when you think pure, I want you to think not trying to make yourself appear better than what you really are. I want you to think genuine. I want you to think sincerity of faith. A, single, a singleness of focus towards God. Or here's how I like to define this, and here's how I kind of like to get at the heart of it. I just say this, okay, it's the real reason you are doing what you're, do what, what you're doing. I mean, it's the real reason, remember, this is a faith context thing, okay? It's the real reason why you're taking the steps you are or not taking the steps you are, okay? It's the real reason, not on the outside, it's the real reason on the inside you are doing what you're doing. Now, when we begin to see things through this, fil this filter, it's pretty fascinating. When we see it through this filter, when we read the Sermon on the Mount, a lot of the things that Jesus says will begin to make sense. Because Jesus talks a lot about some of the spiritual practices that we should participate in, but he gives us examples of what it looks like when our motives are wrong. In other words, when we do it out of an impure heart. So let me give you an example of, of, of one of these that Jesus gives. Uh, a few verses after the one we just read, here, here's what Jesus says. He says, all right, I want you to be careful not to practice your righteousness. In other words, practice your right living in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So he says, hey, if you're more interested in what people think, then your reward will be whatever they think. But you have no reward from your Father in heaven. And so we see Jesus is saying, hey, listen, it's not just about what we do. It's the sincerity behind what we do. It's the motivation behind what we do. And then he says this. He says, so when you give to the needy, which we're kind of saying, oh, I think that's, I mean, that's a good thing, giving to the needy. Do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets to be honored by others. And I'm just kind of thinking about this. Can you imagine during the offering, people got out their trumpets and all that stuff, but, you know, that's a different thing. Uh, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And so the giving that Jesus is talking about is this giving call, is type of giving called almsgiving. Back then, they didn't have a welfare system or a food assistant program. And so what would happen is, is that those that were in need they would line up outside the temple, and then as people were going into the temple, uh, they would hope that the people going in would then, would then give them money. And so when Jesus is talking about giving, 
He's not talking about that we should never give in public. In fact, we see example after example where people actually gave in public, and it was a very good thing. What Jesus is saying is that we shouldn't give to the needy as a way of giving us a photo op or to take a selfie. You know, you get that, that, that app in there, and you're taking a selfie, and you're going, hey, always generous, and you're kind of taking the selfie, and you look bigger and, and you know, more tan than you did before. He's saying, don't do that with the motive for the approval of others. And then he, he closes with this. He says, but when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And so Jesus is giving us a picture of what giving with a pure heart looks like. That it's the motive it's the sincerity behind what you give. Or the question I always say, what is the real reason? Is it to look good in front of others? Is it to make yourself feel good? Is it out of guilt or obligation? Or is it out of a pure, sincere faith towards God? A genuineness towards God. That's what he means by pure heart. Which then raises our second question. How do we do that? I mean, really, how, how do we actually cultivate that kind of heart? How do we go from this, and we all have this to some degree, how do we go from this to this? Now, I'm going to be upfront with you. This is very, very challenging. And one of the reasons it's challenging is because I think we don't think at a heart level, especially us men. I mean, we hear, we hear the heart and all that stuff. We're thinking, okay, is this going to be like a group therapy session? And we got to sit here and talk about our feelings and all that stuff. We're like, I don't really want to do that. Listen, that's not what this is. Another reason we struggle with this is because we've been conditioned to think behavior modification, not heart cultivation. I mean, think about this. When you were growing up, when, when you messed up, your parent or parents, what did they do? They corrected your behavior. And here's the thing. I, I'm a parent. I do that as well. That's an important thing. It, it should be done, but that only goes so far. You know, th this is why for many of us, now we're, now we're adults, and we're actually doing the same behaviors we did as a kid. We're just doing the adult version of those behaviors. And why is that? Because there are only some things that will change or they won't change until there's a heart change. So there are actually two ways that we can partner with God that'll help us cultivate that kind of heart. That'll help us begin the process of going from here to here. And these are things that all of us can do. There are two things. Here's the first one. We've got to be willing to flee from sin. We've got to be willing to run, forest, run. Now, remember, if, if you've been around here any period of time, remember how we define sin around here? Sin is literally missing God's mark, which is really fascinating because when you think about Jesus talking about the kingdom of God, what's the kingdom of God? Life as God intended it to be. So here's what sin is. Sin is missing out on experiencing that kind of life. And so we don't flirt with it. We don't go, okay, well, how close to the line can I go without sinning? And, you know, how close is that line and all that stuff? Listen, that's how an impure heart thinks. We don't invite it into our life. We don't entertain it. We don't invite it into our home. We don't flirt with it. We flee from it. The Apostle Paul, he gives us a great example or a different perspective of what this looks like. Here, here's what Paul writes. He writes, flee the evil desires of youth. Now, he's not saying all people when they're young are bad. That's not, that's not what he's saying. 
When he talks about evil desires, here's what's interesting. Many think that when they have certain desires, that that's actually a bad thing. Here's what you need to know. God created us with desires. They're actually a really good thing. Where things go haywire is when those desires are done through the filter of this kind of heart. And so he's, Paul's saying, hey, you need to recognize that and you need to flee from it. But then here's what I want you to do. I want you to pursue something else. I want you to pursue a different type of life. Right living, faith, which is just mean leaning into God. Love, not our definition of it, but God's definition of it. And peace along with those who call on the Lord out of, what is it? A pure heart. Out of this kind of heart. You see, you position your life in the direction you want it to go. And so if you want to remain faithful to your spouse or significant other, you need to be willing to flee from situations or circumstances that could cause you to be emotionally connected with another person. If you want to remain sexually pure in your dating life, you need to be willing to flee from situations that are going to cause you to push against those boundaries. And if you're tempted to fill in the blank for you, and every one of us has things we're tempted to. So if you're tempted to blank, you will never have a pure heart if you're not willing to admit that that particular sin has a stronghold in your life and then be willing to flee from those environments. Here's the thing about sin. Sin is not just something we flee from, but there's also something we need to run to. And that leads me to the second thing about cultivating a, a pure heart, and that is we gotta be willing to practice the rhythm of confession. You know, the reality is, is that every single one of us comes in here and we have all sorts of sin issues in our life, starting with the one on the stage here. Every single one of us has dirt that we need removed from our heart. But the danger isn't in the sin. The real danger for every one of us is in concealing the sin. Because when we conceal it, it means that it has power over our life. And I think there are many reasons why we conceal sin in our life. I, I think the big one is, is we're just ashamed and embarrassed. And so it's like, well, if anyone finds out, you know, here's what they're going to think of me. And, you know, I don't want them to think bad of me. And I'll be ashamed and embarrassed. I'm the only one. And, and so that's one of the reasons. I think another reason is, is to justify it. We minimize it. So it's, well, it's not that big of a deal, you know. I'm not hurting anyone. I'm hurting me, you know. It's just kind of me and no one else is being affected by it. And then I think here's the other one. The other reason is for many of us, bottom line is we don't want to change. And so we just stay there. Now, there, confession, when you think about it, here's kind of the, the gut level definition of confession. Confession is just coming completely clean with the sin in our life. Now, who do we come clean to? Well, we've got to come clean, I think, in, in two places. And the first one's the one that, you know, we know easy because, you know, if you've been in church, you know this one. All right, well, we've got to confess our sin to God. And here's what even the, the Apostle John says about confessing to God. He just says this, hey, if we confess our sins to God. And so here's what confession is. Confession to God is this. God, here's what I've done. I'm not going to minimize it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to call it a mistake. I'm not going to go, well, God, you know, I know I blew up. But you know what? She was poking the bear. And you know, when you poke the bear, so, you know, I'm sorry, but it was really her fault sort of thing. You know, it's not that. It is, here's what I've done. And see, here's the thing about confession. Confession isn't for God. God already knows confession is for us. We need this. And the reason we need it is because this begins the process from conceal to reveal. And then listen to what he says God's reaction is. God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins. And there it is. Purify us. Make clean. 
from all unrighteousness. You see, confession invites God to begin to remove parts of the dirt that are lingering around in our hearts. Now, for most of us, when I talk about confession, we're like, okay, I get that part. You know, we confess to God and, and okay, I get that, been there, done that and all that stuff. But for many of us, when we just stop here, we experience this interesting cycle in our life. And I was trying to give it a name because, you know, there's not really a name for it, but it's more of an experience. But here, here's the name I give it, not real fancy. It's called the sin confess cycle. And here, here's how this goes. It goes like this. Okay, I, I commit a sin, God forgive me. And then I commit that same sin, God forgive me. I commit the same sin, God forgive me. And the cycle just kind of turns and it goes and it goes and it goes and it goes. And the reason why we're in that cycle is because we don't realize there's another aspect of confession. And this is the aspect that breaks that cycle in our life. And, and here's the other aspect, is we gotta be willing to confess it to someone we trust. We gotta be willing to go to someone else with our confession. Here's what James, the half-brother of Jesus, says about this kind of confession. It's pretty interesting. He says this. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other. And then here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for each other. Well, James, what about confessing it to God? James is just assuming we already do that. He's saying we need to take the next step and we need to tell someone else and not just anybody else. He says someone who will pray for us. In other words, someone who's following Jesus as well, who's gonna be in our corner, who's gonna encourage us, who's gonna keep us on the path and not let that sin take us or our family down. And then he says when you do that, here's the result. So that you may be not forgiven. God does the forgiving. This is an interesting thing. But when we reveal it to someone else, the result is healing. You know, sin tells us one of two things. One is no big deal, no consequences. The other one is, you know what? You'll never get over this thing. You know, you have no hope in your life. Here's the interesting thing about when we confess it to someone else. When we confess it to someone else, it's like we take light and we shine it on that dark part of our life. And when we do that, it exposes it and it loses its power over us. And healing begins to happen. Many years ago, when I first stepped into ministry, uh, I was having uh, recurring thoughts about another woman that was not my wife. And uh, I, I still remember when this started and uh, I was thinking, okay, I'm, I'm not necessarily worried at this time about anything, you know, going anything further than that. But I'm also self-aware enough to know where it starts. And it starts in the heart and if something's not done about it, it'll just continue to grow and grow and grow where potentially something could happen. And so here's what I was doing at that time. I would, every time a thought came, I'd go, God, forgive me, purify my heart. God, forgive me, purify my heart. And this just kept going and going, and it went on for months, but it didn't go away. And so I realized that I had to do something that I didn't want to do, but I needed to do. And that was I needed to go to a, a, a close Christian friend of mine. Now here we call them faith-building friends. These are the people that are going to be in your corner. And as I said, man, they're going to keep you on the straight. They're going to keep you going. They're going to, they're going to fight with you for it. So uh, uh, this friend of mine, we were long distance, very close. So I called him and, uh, and I just, I said, hey man, I said, I, I just need to let you know what's going on. And I let him know what was going on. And I'm telling you, I felt so ashamed and, and so embarrassed about the whole thing as I'm telling him about this. And here's what he said to me. He said, I really appreciate you telling me this. You just need to know, we're gonna walk through this together. And so for the next two months, uh, he would call me two or three times a week. 
And uh, he would go, okay, I'm gonna tell me, tell me where you're at. And then we'd pray together on the phone. And then, you know, once again, this went on for, for about two months or so. And then what was interesting is eventually it just went away. It, was, it wasn't there anymore. And as I look back on that, I thought, how did that, how did that just go away? It wasn't like there was like this divine healing or anything like that that happened. What happened was, is I exposed that part of my life to someone else. And when I exposed that life to someone else, it lost its power over me. Now, here's what else happened. He didn't lose respect for me. I didn't tell him and he didn't go, oh, you're a loser, dude. You suck and you shouldn't be in ministry and all that stuff. How could you and all that stuff? He, he didn't do anything for that. In fact, I always remember what he said. He said this. He said, you know what? That took such courage and humility. I really appreciate you doing that. See, our friendship, I didn't lose out on our friendship and lose respect. I actually gained respect with him and my faith grew stronger because of it. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. And here's what happens to the pure in heart. They will see God. So according to Jesus, when we pursue this, we will experience the greatest benefit we could ever experience, that we will see God as he truly is. Because purity of heart gives us purity of vision. You know, for many of us, we are seeing God through this filter right here. And as a result of seeing God through this filter, we're not really motivated or inspired to take steps with God. We're constantly going, you know, why God this? And you know, I don't really want to take steps. I mean, everything else in life seems to become the priority over taking steps with God. And the reason that is, is because this is your filter for seeing God. And when this is your filter for seeing God, it'll always be small and it'll always be cloudy. But as we make the process through this, and we see God through this filter. Everything that seems right now so much bigger and so much more important than God will shrink because we will begin to see God as he really is. Let me uh, wrap my time up by leaving you with some questions. And these questions, you know, as we kind of talk about this topic, it's a heavy topic, it's a challenging topic and all this stuff. You know, once again, this is such an important thing because remember, what's inside of you comes out of you. Okay, and so this is, this is that critical, not just for you, but for those around you. And so I'm just gonna leave you with a couple questions that I, I just wanna challenge you. I hope you'll wrestle through these questions this week. And here's the first question. What's the condition of your heart really? And I'm not asking you to you know, tell anybody else around you or anything like that. I just want you to be honest with you. And here's the thing, you can only go so long with looking great on the outside until eventually that baby's gonna pop and you're gonna pour that out on someone else. So listen, are, are you going around and you're just going like, oh yeah, this is the condition. Oh yeah, everything's great and all that stuff. But the reality is, this is the condition of your heart. Are you pursuing purity or are you, I'm gonna follow my heart, I'm gonna do whatever I want, I'm gonna do whatever feels right for me. Here's a second question I wanna challenge you with. What sin do you need to confess to God? Now, as I said, we all come in, come in here with a boatload of sins to confess to God, okay? We all do. But I want you to think about that one. And that baby just has its hooks in you. It keeps, I mean, you keep popping into your mind. You just keep doing it. You can't seem to kick it. It is just there. What is that? And I want you to confess that to God. Remember confessing to God is, God, here's what really is going on. Here's what this really is. I'm not explaining it away. I'm not minimizing it. I'm not justifying it. Here it is, God. And then I want you to take this third step. And that is, I want you to, Take that sin and confess it to a faith-building friend. 
so you can begin to break the cycle. So you can take that sin that has power over you and expose it and go into the process of it losing power over you. Or as James says, you can begin the process of healing because you will not have healing without this step right here. You know, when, uh, when most people think of the local church, I think there's a huge misconception that people have. I think when people think of the local church, I think they think the local church is a place that people gather and they kind of look around and it's like, everybody has it all together, you know? Now my life is a train wreck and I have all this stuff going on, but everybody else has it all together, so I gotta come in here and I gotta have it all together too. You know, I see this all the time when we talk about baptisms, which we're having next week, by the way, but when, when we talk about baptism, we say, hey, you know, your next step is to get baptized. Oh no, I can't take that step. Why is that? Well, because I'm not there yet. Because I'm not ready yet. Here's what that's code for. Because I don't have it all together. I've got too much of this, this in my life to do that. Listen, steps like that, we take those steps because it's acknowledging that this is where we're at right now. The local church, and I think this is the beauty of it, okay? The local church is a place where we come and none of us has it all together. All of us at different levels are dealing with this junk in our heart but we're learning to surrender to Jesus as king of our life. And when we do that, here's what we begin to discover. That Jesus is not at war with our heart. He is at war for our heart. He wants this for us. But he knows a big aspect of living in the kingdom of God is we have to be willing to allow him to purify our heart because he knows it is the key for us experiencing the impactful, powerful, freeing life known as life in the kingdom of God. Let me pray for us. Father, um, what's great about blessed are the pure in heart is that, that all of us come in here and to some level we're, we, we're not there. And that's the beauty of this. This is a process that you want us to go through. And it's so worth it, but God, let's be honest, it's so challenging. We want to minimize, we want to justify, we want to explain away because there's just a part of us that's afraid, that's ashamed. Maybe even we just don't want to change. But God, I pray that there would just be a spirit of gut level honesty in this place. That we would just come fully clean with that sin that's just got its hooks in our lives. And that we would confess that to you. And God, here's the thing, you already know. Not like you're, not like you're gonna be like, what? You already know. You know, this is for us. You do it for us. And God, I pray that we would have the courage then to take the step past forgiveness and to pursue healing. And that healing is to come clean, come clean to the right people and allow them to come and walk and encourage and fight, whatever that may be. God, there is so much at stake here because if we allow that heart to be what that heart is, eventually what's in there is coming out of there. And it's not just a ripple effect on us. There is a ripple effect on those around us. So Father, I just pray that uh, as we take Jesus' words to heart, that we would pursue purity. Because God, that second part, we will see you as you really are. God, we need that. Because when we begin to see you as you really are, everything else grows really, really small compared to you. Thank you, God, for these great words, and we pray them in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.